Hello from Boise, Idaho and Idaho Education News. This is Extra Credit, your weekly podcast looking at education policy and education politics. I'm Kevin Richard. And I'm Clark Corbin. Heavy emphasis on politics this week because as we speak, we are T-minus 25 days to the May 15th primaries. And while we talked a lot about politics last week, it feels like this week and heading into next week, it really feels like this primary season is, is kicking into higher gear. Yeah, it, it, it sure does. Uh, we've got uh, a forum that we want to talk about. We have some new information about some of the candidates. We have some debates coming up next week uh, that we want to get to. But uh, we promised that it was going to be a sprint to the May 15th primary. And uh, we're entering, we're closing in on the home stretch. Yeah, no, it, it's definitely feeling like you're heading into crunch time. I mean, you, you could feel it as, uh, you know, as I watched uh, the some of the gubernatorial candidates earlier this week, as we saw the uh, the public television uh, statewide uh, televised debates uh, kick into higher gear, there's a little bit more of a sense of urgency as you listen to the candidates and watch the candidates uh, either on the TV or in person. Uh, yeah, it's it's go time, and and it definitely feels that way. So it's go time for us as reporters as we try to sort through. Uh, this busy ballot that we've got in front of us. Yeah, and we've each kind of divided it up. We each have a few races that we're sort of uh, homing in on, uh, specializing on, although we're kind of watching all of it. But uh, let's just go through a couple of them and, and start with what we've seen uh, this week. Kevin, where would you like to start with some of the races you're watching? Well, I'm going to start on Monday with uh, a forum that I was able to moderate uh, involving the two Democratic candidates for governor, A.J. Belukov and Paulette Jordan. Uh, full disclosure, I'm a member of the board uh, on City Club, and we put together this uh, forum. We were hoping to have Republican and Democratic candidates at the same table. Uh, we did get uh, the two Democratic candidates, Belukov and Jordan, and we wanted it to be a forum focused on education. And it was kind of fun to moderate it and really kind of drill down onto one big topic area. Um, the two candidates didn't disagree about very much. When right. you talk about funding, when you talk about teacher salary, when you talk about pre-K, uh, the two candidates were pretty much uh, working off of the same uh, songbook. Uh, concern about funding, concern about teacher salaries and retention, support for moving into a statewide uh, pre-K program. Probably the biggest disagreement that I saw was on the issue of charter schools. Um, Belukov, longtime Boise School Board member, has uh, watched the, the growth of the charter program kind of uh, from the front row seat as a, as a board member. You know, the first charter school in the state was located in Boise and was authorized by the Boise District. That's the, the answer charter school in, in Garden City. So he's watched this for 20 years, and his term about charter schools is that he tolerates them, that he does not feel like they've delivered on their promise of innovation uh, Jordan takes a little bit different approach to it yeah. and, sa and says that I, there is a place for charter schools to serve students who may not be uh, served as well in the traditional schools. So a little bit of disagreement there, not a whole lot of disagreement, and a generally cordial debate, a little bit of a back and forth about endorsements. And um, you know, when Belukov talked about uh, securing endorsements from several Democratic legislators, uh, Jordan shot back and, and said, I didn't think we were going to talk about endorsements, but since we are, I didn't seek endorsements from my fellow Democrats in the legislature. This was before she resigned to, to run full time. Right. She said that uh, she thought that it was important for the party to come out unified, so she did not seek endorsements. So it got a little bit 
a uh, little bit heated there for a moment, but generally a, a pretty, uh, pretty cordial exchange and not a whole lot of uh, substantive disagreement on the issues. But if you want to head back uh, to our homepage, IdahoEdNews.org, and scroll back uh, to the beginning of the week, Monday, and look for that story, uh, if you are interested, I mean, it was interesting to me that you drilled down so closely on education, but if you are interested in uh, school choice, where charter schools stand, if you want to find out a little bit more uh, about both of these Democrats and what they had to say during your forum on Monday, I I'd recommend checking that article out for sure. Right, and there'll be more reading to come here in the next few days. I'm going to sit down with uh, Paula Jordan later Friday to ask her some more questions about education, and I'll have a story outlining where she stands on education issues. We'll probably drop that sometime next week. We did a similar interview with uh, A.J. Belukov uh, a few weeks ago and with the three major uh, Republican candidates for governor, Tommy Alquist, Brad Little, and Raul Labrador. Those four stories about those candidates, they're already up and running on our elections page. We will add the Paulette Jordan story to that page as well, so it's all in one place. And we have an elections tab on the home page uh, where you can click on that on kind of towards the top on sort of the right-hand side on the rail there. We have Look an elections the state flag. tab. Look for um, the state yeah. flag and click on it and you're on your way. Now, if Monday's forum was a mostly cordial and respectful and agreeable affair, we saw something different on Tuesday with some of these uh, Republican lieutenant governor candidates. There were some fireworks on Tuesday, yeah, and that was yeah. a debate uh, that was televised statewide on Idaho Public Television and streamed online, and you watched that one closely. That was a different animal. If Monday was respectful and cordial for the most part, Tuesday was something different. It, Tell it, me it about was, it. It was quite a bit different. You know, let's kind of dispense with the, the snark about the lieutenant governor's race. I mean, lieutenant governor in Idaho, it's kind of the Seinfeld job in politics. It's kind of a job about nothing because the... the, the Assistant official, to the traveling secretary. official role is fairly limited. Uh, you do what the governor allows you to do as second-in-command. You fill in for the governor when, when the governor's out of state. You uh, cast tie-breaking votes in a Senate with 35 members to do the math. That doesn't happen very often. No, that doesn't happen often. Sometimes they vet candidates for appointments and things of that nature, but it, uh, they're the not the busiest people in the world. Right. The lieutenant governor does basically what the governor allows uh, him or her to do. And it's kind of a, 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 a candidate in waiting for future higher office. A right, lot of and, times and, and I don't mean to diminish that because we've seen in the past, we've seen lieutenant governors promoted to the governor's role, most recently Jim Rich yeah. in 2006. So it does happen. Um, Despite all of that, this turned out to be a pretty spirited debate. There was a lot of, uh, uh, there was some fireworks over abortion. Uh, State Senator Bob Nonini's remarks about abortion, uh, you know, criminal charges yeah. uh, in cases of abortion, and uh, Marv Hagedorn, his colleague in the State Senate, really uh, came after Nonini on that issue, uh, pointing out some of the comments that Nonini has made and has tried to distance himself from. So there was some disagreement about that, a lot of exchange on healthcare issues, and a little bit on education. Um, what I found interesting on the education front, uh, Nonini talked at length about education. Not too surprising. He Former uh, House Education Chair. Former House Education sits Committee on Chair. Education. Sits on Senate Education. Uh, talked about his work to create the STEM Action Center, his uh, support of uh, career technical education, even doubled down on his support back in 2011 
for the uh, uh, for Tom Luna's education overhaul legislation, which of course was overwhelmingly rejected at the polls in 2012. His take on that was, look, I'm the only person on this panel who has sat on an education committee. We had to make hard decisions during the recession. I was the one who was having to help make those decisions. So you had that. Uh, he was put a little bit on the defensive. Janice McGeehan, the former state representative from Idaho Falls, uh, took Nonini to task, as she has done also on her campaign page, over the Common Core standards, which were adopted by the legislature in 2011, adopted in Nonini's House Education Committee, among other places. So you had a little bit on that. Marv Hagedorn uh, talked about his work to to help bring medical education to Idaho, the uh, medical education center that's under construction in Meridian. So you had a little bit of back and forth on education. So all in all, I mean, it was it was a much more engaged and much more entertaining debate than I expected. Yeah, it was uh, it was a lively affair um, for sure. But and, I mean, that's another one of those crowded races uh, that we've talked about. There's, there's a handful of them on the ballot this year, right? And, and they're almost impossible to handicap because of that. You have five candidates. They all uh, they come from different parts of the state. Right. So they may have different bases of support. You know, Nonini's the only candidate from North Idaho. You'd figure that he should do well in the panhandle. Hackett-Orton's the only candidate from the Treasure Valley. So does that give him an advantage in the most populated uh, area of the state. Meanwhile, the half the field, it almost seems like, is from eastern Idaho. Right, and you have, uh, so you, you have that, you don't know how that's going to carve up the vote, and, you know, we keep talking about these are low turnout races. Uh, when you have that many candidates and no incumbent, somebody could win this thing with uh, maybe twenty-five or 30,000 votes. It wouldn't surprise me at all, so... I think all five candidates probably look around the state and think, you know, I could probably scrape together 30,000 votes. So, you know, I think everybody feels like they got a shot yeah. here. I don't think anybody is just running for the sake of having their name on the ballot and getting their, their message out. I think these, these five candidates all deep down feel like they've got a legitimate shot at winning this thing. And I couldn't dispute that because I couldn't rule anybody out at this point. And, and they've come to play at this point. They're engaging on the issues. They're campaigning. They're mixing it up in debates and forums. This is going to be a why, fun one to yeah, watch. Which is why I think you saw more of a sense of urgency on Tuesday night, especially, and I think Hagedorn was probably the most assertive uh, candidate at that podium. I mean, you know, he went after Nonini at one point. He went after Steve Yates, the former state Republican Party chair, at another point in the debate. So, yeah, it's uh, it's definitely heating up. Mark that one down. That'll be a fun one to watch, and we'll try to keep everybody updated uh, about the developments in that race, both on our podcast over the next three weeks and at the homepage, IdahoEdNews.org. And, and yet it's still kind of an undercard. Yeah. Because, you know, as we talk about the uh, the public television debates, those heat up as well. Let's get to some of the main events. Right. So, first off, Sunday night you have uh, Belukov and Jordan once again. They will debate. Uh, Monday night is uh, the debate between the between the three Republican candidates for governor, Alquist, Little, and Labrador, I'm going to be on the panel for that one. That should be a, a a lot of fireworks. I mean, if you have watched the advertising campaign, and it's almost impossible to avoid the right. advertising campaigns, if you if you own a television and live somewhere in Idaho, you've seen all of the advertising in this race, and it's getting nasty, it's getting negative, and I think when you get these three candidates on a podium in front of a statewide audience, uh, the fur is going to fly. And, you know, our job as panelists is going to be to ask, uh, hopefully ask some 
some direct and tough questions that, that force candidates to talk about the issues. But when it gets to the, the candidates uh, going back and forth again, uh, against each other, I don't expect it to be a very uh, cordial affair. No, and I don't want to reveal any state secrets here, but I am excited that you're going to be playing a role in this debate and asking questions. I know that you will approach this with kind of uh, through the prism of educational issues. Um, I'm not going to give yeah, away yes. any Spoiler of the questions. Spoiler alert, the questions I'm working yeah. on may be education-related. I'm not going to give away any of those questions, but we were just talking uh, before we queued up the podcast here today. You're working on your questions today, and you've got some fun ideas, and we think that it will be uh, a fun, interesting, and informative debate, and they may well mix right. up a little and, bit and on they, Monday. They will mix it up, and you know, it's really people tune in to hear what the candidates have to say. Our, our role as panelists is to ask questions that get the discussion going and maybe force the discussion uh, on some topics that are important and you know put those important topics into context. But from there, it's really the, the candidates who have, to, uh, who have to make the case to voters, and that's what people are tuning in to hear. And, and you I will have your turn on Friday. Sure, sure. I, I want to point out that if you only have time to watch one or two debates this primary election cycle, uh, let's start with Monday night with the Republican... Yes governor's candidate debate. And let's talk it, real quickly about how people can catch Monday and then we'll move on right. to the yeah, end it, of the week. How can, like, we, how can we watch it on Monday? It feels like must see TV and it is and it will air at 8 o'clock on Monday night on Idaho Public Television. Uh, Public TV is also you know, really good right now about putting their debates online uh, almost in real time after the conclusion of the debate. So if you, if you miss it in the first place, if you forget to watch it, if you forget to DVR it, uh, and you're trying to catch up on Tuesday morning, no problem. Uh, go online and find the debate there. Uh, but by all means, watch it. It's an important uh, important debate, uh, you know, the most important race on the ballot. So watch that one uh, Monday night. Watch the Democrats on Sunday night. Uh, get a sense of where all five of these major candidates stand. Then come back on Friday night for uh, the Republican debate for state superintendent. And that's, that's going to be... Uh, that's going to be your night. Yeah, I'm going to be on the reporter panel for the Republican State Superintendents debate. That's going to be Friday night at 8 p.m. Uh, that's the Idaho debates. It's uh, it's a partnership between a number of different organizations: the Idaho Press Club, Idaho Public Television, the League of Women Voters, several institutions of higher education. And this debate will feature uh, incumbent Superintendent of Public Instruction Sherry Ybarra and Republican challenger Jeff. Dylan, the superintendent of the Wilder School right. District, <clears throat> located out in rural Canyon County. This one will be interesting because, as you remember, we've talked about a couple of weeks ago, Idaho Education News had a candidate forum at Boise State University, and Jeff Dillon and the two Democratic candidates attended, uh, but due to some scheduling conflicts and some inability um, to, to so get schedules coordinated, day, we were not able to have... Superintendent Ibarra participate. She will be participating and engaging with Jeff Dillon on Friday. They briefly participated in one exchange uh, at kind of an education stakeholders conference last fall. But this will really, yeah, this will really be the first time on a state on a statewide stage where everybody can tune in live and watch the two of them debate the issues. I'm excited and, about and this especially one, especially at this late stage in the debate. I mean, it's one thing to. Uh, talk in front of the school trustees in November. This debate will be 18 days before Election Day. So this will be um, 
this will be the one debate that Cherry Ibarra is doing uh, leading up to the primary. And it's really, as the challenger, uh, I think this is Jeff Dillon's big opportunity, maybe his last best chance to make his case to voters as to what he would bring to the table and how he would approach the job differently. It's been a low-key campaign. Uh, you have not heard uh, Dillon out front on a lot of issues. You've not seen him uh, taking a bar to task publicly, uh, trying to do you know press releases or statements on social media or any kind of free media to try to get his message out and challenge Abara's performance on the job. So this is really kind of his night and not to overanalyze it. I think it's, uh, I think there's some onus on him to make the case for, you know, for his candidacy, for, for his vision for education, as opposed to Abara's, because I thought, you know, and you can watch our forum, it's still online and it's definitely worth your while because Dylan was appearing without Abara on the same stage and you had the two Democrats, uh, not disagreeing very much on, on issues. I, I thought Dylan was, you know, I think thought he made some points. I thought he um, you know, articulated some of where, where he stands on education topics, but I thought it was fairly low key. Didn't talk about Ibarra very much at all uh, until he was actually asked, well, where do you think Ibarra's fallen short as superintendent? So I thought this is, I think this is the one chance for Dylan to differentiate himself. Yeah, and, and, and we'll go ahead and, and forgive our readers and listeners if they're not even familiar with who the candidates are running for state superintendent because this is sort of the antithesis of that feisty gubernatorial campaign that is saturating the TV airwaves with ads. Exactly. This campaign really has not gotten started by any stretch of the imagination. Sure, to be fair, uh, both... Uh, incumbent Superintendent Sherry Ybarra and Jeff Dillon have been making the rounds on the Lincoln Day circuit. Uh, that sort of started late in the winter and the spring on weekends at different uh, counties throughout the state. But that's kind of a Republican campaigning fundraiser type of, a, of an event. And, and really, uh, even if you went to all of those, what you would have seen is those candidates having anywhere from three to five minutes to basically introduce themselves and talk about their top pet issues, uh, along with all the other candidates for all the other offices uh, who would have been at those same Republican functions. And so exactly. this race exactly. really hasn't gotten going. Nobody knows, uh, for the most part, um, what the issues are, what's going on. You're not seeing a lot of rallies or appearances or events. It just has. There's no right. fundraising to speak of at all. It just hasn't gotten going. No, no fundraising, no advertising. Um, the Lincoln Day Circuit is it's important in Republican. But that's circles. like but, the but low it, hanging it, fruit. If you it, don't go it, to that, uh, what are you doing? Yeah, you're conspicuous by your absence if you don't do the Lincoln Day rounds. And a lot of the Lincoln Day rounds, it's retail level politics. Shaking hands and giving a three minute speech and talking to people when they're in line for the buffet. And, 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 and less depth on these issues and less. Uh, you know, a voter buttonholes a candidate and says, you know, I want to talk to you about this or that. So this will be a chance for for voters who don't go to Lincoln Day banquets to uh, get a chance to see where these two candidates stand. It's the only debate in, in the superintendent's race. It's worth noting that uh, public TV is not doing a, a debate with the two Democratic right. candidates, uh, Cindy Wilson and Alan Humble. Uh, they... The organizers of the debates asked both candidates to produce information showing the activity of their campaign, whether that's fundraising or campaign appearances, uh, staffing. A lot of different metrics are used. Uh, 
uh, and the debate panel determined that there weren't two viable candidates running viable active campaigns. Uh, well, what they said was that Alan Humble respond to yeah. uh, their request uh, for additional information, so the debate is off. So if you want to see the two Democratic candidates, the best way to do that is to go back to our uh, forum, which you can find online. Uh, you can find that on YouTube. You can find it on our Facebook page and, uh, and check that out. Yep. Uh, a lot of fun coming up. Just a reminder, uh, Friday evening and Monday evening next week, 8 o'clock, live on public television. I believe they're going to stream them on their own YouTube page live as well, and you can find them on their website usually by the next morning. Right. Uh, those are not to miss debates. These are important decisions that voters uh, will be making on May 15th, uh, regardless of our own criticisms of whether or not the races are taking off or the campaigns are active. Uh, these are important decisions that voters will have to make, and I would encourage you to spend a little time with those debates and get to know uh, the candidates on the ballot. Let's talk about one last topic that is not election-related, uh, but will impact a lot of college students across the state, uh, current and prospective college students. State Board got together in Moscow this week, uh, raised student fees, and it, uh, it just went so swimmingly. They just kind of sailed right through, right? <laughs> well, it, not exactly. A little bit of a bizarre meeting uh, up in Moscow earlier this week. State Board of Education met over two days. I wasn't able to make it up there, but they do stream those things online, and so I followed along. Uh, long story short, uh, the cost of higher education in Idaho uh, is going to be going up next year for students, and it's right at an interesting... And I mean, this is nothing new, right? This, this happens. Uh, this is not a surprise or, or anything new, but this is unfolding at a time where we have a lot of questions swirling about higher education. Uh, education affordability continues to be an issue. There's some leadership changes going on uh, college campuses across the state of Idaho. There are some higher ed reform recommendations uh, that, have, that are basically on paper at this point waiting uh, for further action. Uh, but just want to get uh, to the news real quick. Um, you can look for college tuition and fees to be going up at many Idaho colleges by between 35 and 5%. They treated some of these institutions a little bit differently. Uh, for instance, at University of Idaho, in-state resident tuition will be going up by 5% next, next year. Same at Boise State University. In-state resident tuition and fees will be going up by 5% at Boise State. Uh, but at Idaho State University, it's going up by 3.5%, same as Lewis-Clark State right. College. And... Right. and, and, and you know, all of the, you know, you know, joking aside about the process and the kind of the Byzantine <laughs> process of going through motions and counter motions and amendments to get to these numbers, the numbers are what really matter uh, to students and parents. And, and it does come at a time where uh, questions about college access and college affordability are really coming to the forefront. We Yeah, uh, you did uh, some great reporting last year on sort of life after high school, what happens to students after they graduate high school, but the state of Idaho has some important goals sitting out there um, about its college completion rates, and it's the 60% goal, and, and, and technical certificates would count towards fulfilling the 60% goal as, as well, but in the last eight years, uh, this education attainment goal has not gone anywhere. Yeah. Uh, we were striving for 60%. We're, we're flatlining it at 42% and have been for years. So much so that they moved uh, the goal line back, uh, that they're giving them five more years to hit 
the goal. Um, but to reach that goal, we need more students in our college and university system. Right, and that's where the affordability issue really comes into play. Uh, when, I, when I did the series last fall, I looked at what has happened in terms of college tuition and fees, and even just the recent history over the past few years, uh, fees and tuition have increased well ahead of the rate of inflation. And I don't know what the rate of inflation is going to turn out to be uh, for this year, but I've got to imagine that a 35 to 5% uh, increase, you know, that, that's not going to change that trend all that much. I, I don't think the rate of inflation is going to be 35 to, to 5%. And, you know, for a lot of parents and for a lot of kids who are trying to work their way through college, uh, 35 to 5% pay raises are, uh, are not the norm <laughs> in, in a lot of, uh, lot of sectors of the economy. So the questions about affordability and the questions about trying to get more students to come into the college system, especially students who might not be, uh, who may be more at risk, who may be coming from, from, from poverty, from, from lower income households. Those are some serious questions. And I think, uh, this round of tuition and fee increases just, you know, is another chapter in that, uh, in that debate. Now, in fairness, you know, the state did put more money into college scholarships, but uh, those, scholars, those scholarships are in such heavy demand that eligible students aren't even getting, uh, there are eligible students right. who don't get a share of the money because there isn't There's enough to go around. Waiting lists uh, waiting on lists. some of the most popular, uh, waiting lists on some of the most popular scholarships. But so the whole access affordability issue is, is a real thing and, uh, you know, what you saw this week with the state board, you know, afterwards, Linda Clark uh, wrote a guest opinion that we published talking about how this is a solemn responsibility for the state board, that it's not, uh, you know, it's not a lighthearted task whatsoever. And I, and I believe that. I think uh, the board understands how important these decisions are. You know, we'll see how this shakes out. We'll see how this affects, uh, what does this do in terms of uh, enrollment, between now and August, you know, how is this going to affect uh, new students coming in, students staying in the system? We'll, we'll watch it closely. And we already know from your reporting last fall that when you ask students, when you survey students, the overwhelming majority of them say they want to go on to college, they want to attend college, that that's their plan, but they face barriers. In many cases, uh, their parents didn't go on to college. Their older brothers and sisters didn't go on to college. Or they, need, they don't have the money to afford uh, college. Or they need to start working uh, right out of high school. Or maybe they take a religious mission. Maybe they join the military. There are a lot of complicated decisions that we're asking 18 and 19-year-olds to make. We already know that, that many of them, the majority of them, want to go on, hope to go on, plan to go on, but something happens. Uh, and, and, and not as many are going on as say that they would like to. It's affordability for some. It's um, for others, you know, other people in their family haven't gone on. And so uh, they don't know what it's like. Uh, they haven't navigated that process before. It's right. intimidating. It's scary. It's expensive. And, it's and high stakes. It, one of the reasons it's scary is that for a lot of uh, college students, this is their first experience uh, with going into debt. Yeah. With, with, with signing a promissory note that says, I am borrowing this money and I will pay it back with interest somewhere down the road. When I did the series and, and I talked to Chuck Staben, the president of the University of Idaho, he said, look, this is a good investment for kids. They need to see it through and get their college education. It will pay off in the end. But we're expecting 18 and 19-year-olds to make very complicated financial decisions. It doesn't always uh, work out 
for the best because they have very little experience in this. You know, that issue of going into debt and, you know, covering your college education, you know, I went At the beginning my, of your own yeah, life. The, you know, it is a very daunting decision and any kind of fee increase uh, just puts a sharper point on that uh, on that issue. It does. Uh, check out that story. Head over to IdahoEdNews.org to get caught up on all the rest of the headlines uh, from the rest of the week that we did not have a chance to get to. I think that covers everything I wanted to talk to. Be sure and check out those debates uh, next week. They are going to be important. 8 o'clock Monday evening, uh, GOP governor candidate debate. 8 o'clock next Friday evening, GOP state superintendent hopeful debate. And, and We're we'll pleased have, to be a part of both. Yeah, of it's exciting to be a part of the panel, and we'll have full coverage as well. We'll have stories uh, the next morning looking at what, what was said, what wasn't said, and with, obviously, a focus on the education issues. All right. I think that takes care of it. As always, thanks so much for uh, checking out the Extra Credit Podcast. We have a lot of fun exploring this complicated intersection of education policy and education politics. So thank you so much for listening. I'm Clark Corbin. I'm Kevin Richard. Have a good week.